Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I am professional film critic Sean Patrick. With me is Jeff. Hey, what's up? Jeff, where is your art? JeffLasseter.com is my website. Uh, my Etsy shop is ArtGuyNYC because uh, they won't let me change it to Jeff Lasseter Pop Cult for I whatever maybe, reason. I thought you might change it to Star Wars Cursed Images, but... Uh. Oh, from my Palpa Queen today? <laughs> Yeah, I got new stickers today, and one of them I put uh, Emperor Palpatine uh, in fishnets and red high heels <laughs> sitting in his throne, and I called it Palpaqueen. I will it's, post that to the group. So. It's the uh, it's the Star Wars Rocky Horror mashup you didn't know you needed in your life. <laughs> well, I'd already done uh, twerking C-3PO. <laughs> I'd already done Jar Jar Binks in the st- as the strip tease poster. And I figured I needed something else. And my other cousin and I were talking about it. And he was just like, do you something with it, with Palpatine? Like, fuck him up a little bit. <laughs> did you do something with Jabba? I thought you did something with Jabba, too. Uh, no, I just I reposted somebody else's image about uh. Jabba the Hutt without a tail, but <laughs> big, huge cheeks. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you going to do There's something... That. Are you going to do something based off of the uh, news that broke today about the next Star Wars movie being The Mandalorian and Grogu? Um, I really want to do. I want to do something about Kathleen Kennedy and how I want her to live forever, or else when she dies, I want them to put her brain in a jar and use AI to keep being the head of Lucasfilm, so that all these fucking chuds heads explode. <laughs> Oh my, every post about Star Wars, fire Kathy Kennedy. They talk about how much they love like some of the stuff, like the Mandalorian or whatever. She's responsible for that too, you idiots. <laughs> Does she have a daughter? Maybe she could just hand it down to them. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be awesome. Well, these are the same guys who, when, when the Phantom Menace came out, they were like, George Lucas raped my childhood. And now, you know, these same people are like, oh, I want George Lucas back. He knew Star Wars. I'm like, <sighs> and then, then, then. Well, only Dave Filoni knows Star Wars. So as soon as Kathy Kennedy makes him uh, like head of creative whatever, uh-huh. now he can't make Star Wars. Now he sucks. <laughs> you know, John Favreau can't direct. I, I just, it's like they will twist themselves into knots to hate anything, like literally anything that might hint to the fact that a woman can do something. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just like, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. It's yeah. these guys are mad because the the characters aren't doing what they did with their action figures in 1985 after Star Wars was dead. Right. So they think that, oh, you know, like, well, I we only had one female uh, action figure. So why should we have more than one female person? And it's just like, do you fucking hear yourselves? Come on. On and like, well, I had here's what fu- it is, Jeff. It's just another unattainable woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's it, and I, I hate to the word incel is so overused, but it's incel culture where it's yeah. like they, they have been in the same echo chamber for so long that no matter what, Kathleen Kennedy could write a new hope, re release it with all the same stars, and it would still be. Why didn't why didn't George Lucas do it? You know, it's just like <laughs> Carrie Fisher back from the dead. 
and be in a new movie and it would be, oh, you know, oh, she just she hates the funeral industry or something. You know, it's just it's <laughs> it's just that same energy that it now they're talking about because uh, the director of Ray is a f- uh, female filmmaker who made a lot of documentaries about uh, Pakistani women not mm-hmm. being able to uh, uh, go to school and having acid thrown in their faces and how she likes to quote unquote, or, you know, however she said it, you know, kind of make men uncomfortable. She's talking about the men who throw acid in girls faces who just want an education. What it as I want to make men uncomfortable about Star Wars. I mean, oh for fuck's sake. I just it it enrages me, obviously. And I'm just I'm to the point where I enjoy Star Wars less when I have to interact with other Star Wars fans. Mm. And when I saw that today, I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. You know, I, I kind of figured this is where it was gonna end up and then I read some of the comments and it was it just for like complete non sequiturs, fire Kathy Kennedy. I, <laughs> I just, I just I, can't with these people anymore. I was baffled because I thought they loved the Mandalorian and then now they're getting a Mandalorian movie and they're like upset about it. Oh, well, they did love the Mandalorian um, because John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who did the clone war, bringing everybody who was in the Clone Wars into last season on the Mandalorian. Um, there on the Bo-Katan. And I don't know if you're familiar with Bo-Katan no, uh, character no. from the Clone Wars that Dave Filoni dreamed up, uh, who was a Mandalore uh, was a Mandalorian from Mandalore uh, ruled the, um, the planet of Mandalore for a while had the dark saber that, Somehow Giancarlo Esposito's character ended up with in the Mandalorian. And then when they focused on her trying to um, kind of bring Mandalore back to life after it had been bombed by the empire, then it sucked. It was the worst thing they've ever seen. It was the worst season. It's all gone downhill. The book of Boba Fett didn't have him running around just like slicing people's heads off all the time. (laughs) So therefore, <laughs> you know, that sucked. He wrote a fucking rancor into battle. He a rancor. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett wrote a rancor and they still <laughs> hated it. It's like that's exactly the th- kind of thing you would do with your action figures when you were <laughs> 11 years old. Right. But oh my god, this so sucks because he he under, you know, he like he became like he elevated himself. He wasn't just a bounty hunter anymore. The, you know the, what they can do? They can go back and they can tell stories when he was just between like attack of the clones and the clone wars up until return of the Jedi. They can tell those stories, mm-hmm. but because he evolved as a human being and decided he didn't want to be just a, you know, a nameless killer anymore. Well, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's no growth with these people. And I'm not talking about Star Wars fans in general. So if you're a Star Wars mm-hmm. fan, you write on our page how much, you know, how wrong I am. I'm just telling you to what to evolve, to think there are other stories out there aside from the ones you made up in your head. There are other stories out there besides what 
or in the books, which George Lucas never, you know, he, he said they weren't real. Um, you know, that's why they're called legends. Now they're expanded oh. unit four. It's, I'm an easy lay when it comes to star Wars, right. it's star Wars. Um, you know, I don't, I don't surround myself with these little plastic men and women because I'm tied to, you know, whatever happened up until 2005. I, it's star Wars, <laughs> you know, and it's like, not my, not my star Wars. Well, you know what, then find something else, but don't spend your life terminally online talking about how much it sucks and how bad you hate it and how, you know, you want to do all this horrible stuff to Kathleen Kennedy because you don't like the direction of how a story, a particular story goes. The, the Venn so. diagram though, of people who like fire Kathleen Kennedy also listen to Jordan Peterson. Oh, it's a <laughs> the circle. Weird, there's a circle. <laughs> yeah. If you um, like, I, I I'm off work today, and it was a snow day, and I wasn't really, you know, I didn't have anything I needed to do aside from stickers on Etsy. That's all I really had to do today. Twitter, and I at some of these tweets about Kathleen Kennedy. And then I looked at what these other, what these people like. On mm-hmm. And it would be like horribly misogynistic. Jordan Peterson ever said, apparently. <laughs> and it was just like, you guys are so terrible. You know, if, if you're afraid of a woman having power that you know there was a meme that i shared years ago that was um about when grogu was like popular and had just come out and he you know he like caught the little ball thing with his hand just you know he raised it up and everybody went nuts and they were like oh my god oh oh look he's he's so powerful with the force um grogu had minimal teaching at the academy apparently uh, just like Ray had minimal teaching, but God forbid she moves a stone with her hand. They all freak the fuck out. I, I, I want to point out also that Luke Skywalker had about as much training as Ray did. And, yeah. you know, he wasn't a clone of Palpatine or Palpatine spoiler alert. So, <laughs> I just, it's, you know, like he, it's, I, I was watching uh new hope and Luke had the exact training he had had was reach out, you know, feel the force. You can, you know, put the blast shield down and you can feel the force surrounding you, whatever. And then he was able to blow up the death star by using the force. Okay. That's, that's mm-hmm. the extent of his training in the first movie. Yeah. Um, Ray called a saber that she felt a connection to and had a almost lost a fight. She would have lost the lightsaber fight if the planet hadn't disintegrated around her and Kylo Ren. Okay. She wasn't going to win it. He was going to kill her or steal her or whatever. But everybody was like, Oh my God, she called the saber to her. Luke did the same thing in empire. 
you know, he called a saber to him. He didn't, he wasn't training with the ghost of Obi-Wan. It's just, it enrages me and it pisses me off. And like, I, I have to talk about something else now or else I'm just going to like, <laughs> so what happens when Bob's not here. <laughs> right. Th- yeah. Well, Bob would just sit there and laugh at me if he was here. So, and Josh would be like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Josh. I just, you, you, uh, two, you two should do a Star Wars podcast about that. You know what? I think we we probably should. Um, I I really I am interested in seeing this movie. I don't love The Mandalorian, but not yeah. because it's got a you know it's got Bo Katan as a protagonist in season three. That's not my biggest problem with it. Is it's really live action Clone Wars at this point? Like all the characters that Dave Filoni brings over from the animation into, um, into real life, I've paid zero attention to that stuff. Well, I mean, you wouldn't. <laughs> I, you know, not like I would. But that, that's my biggest problem with the Mandalorian is just that it started off as a new era in Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. And it has. Do I have just... to do homework to go see the fucking movie now? Ugh. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know if you do or not. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, I'm sure it will help you to see at least highlights of the show. Um, but Maybe someone's got a YouTube clip that I can watch. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You watch The Mandalorian. It's only three seasons. If you have questions about characters, I'll just be like, oh, this is the Clone Wars episode you should go watch that introduces them. <laughs> no! No, no, and, and you no, can watch you no. can watch a five minute YouTube video about the about that character. <laughs> it's just it's that's my biggest problem with the Mandalorian, is the fact that it's just at this point all the characters that Dave Filoni can't let go of, Ahsoka, um, Bo-Katan, uh, Saw Gerrera was on the Clone Wars before he was in Rogue One, but Dave Filoni didn't do that. They just he was an interesting character. Um, but like a lot of, a lot of those little characters that they're bringing into live action, but they won't bring in the one, you know, like, like people want to see, um, people saw solo. Did you see solo? Yeah. Uh, I really liked solo. I thought it was fun. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any big problems with it. I, except for the tone was a little uneven at points. Um, but I was more and I was interested when at the end, Darth Maul showed up. I would like to see a TV series about his organization, Crimson Dawn. You know, I the the biggest issue with Han Solo is just kind of my the same issue I had with like with uh, with, with Indiana Jones three, where like everything has to have an origin story. Like, oh, yeah. here's how he got his whip, and here's how he got his he's here he get his jacket, uh, and it's like. Can he just have a whip and a jacket? And it's like Han Solo gets his name in this movie. It's like, can he just be Han Solo? He has to have. He has to have his. He has to pick a name and we has to have an origin story to it. Like, there's all this stupid, all this stupid shit that has to be inspired by something. It's like, can't that just be? Like, was, I, I, that's what I could not stand about that. But uh, you know, that and the whole backstory of just how it got made was just so shitty. But we've got a whole bunch of other shit to talk about <laughs> in fucking Star Wars. Let's talk about something else then. 
Yes, let's move on to. Well, we'll I mean, you're going to get into the chance to talk about something even more passionate later on. Oh so. my god, I, I so we'll oh, get to that. I got to bring my blood pressure down, so you talk for a while before I talk <laughs> I'll about that. Talk for a little bit uh, because I saw a bunch of movies that you didn't, and you saw a movie that I didn't, so that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't. Get, I don't have a car right now, so I couldn't see the new movie Night Swimming, uh, Night Swim. Yeah, Night Swim. Uh, so we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, I did see a movie called. He went that way, starring J.K.B. Lordy, who is one of the hot stars of the moment, and uh, Zachary Quinto, who used to be one of the hot stars of the moment years ago. Ouch. Uh, this is a weird fucking movie about a man who picks up a serial killer in the 1960s uh, as a, as a, as a hitch, hitchhiker, and this man happens to be an animal trainer who's taking a monkey uh, or chimpanzee across the country with him, and now he has a serial killer in his car, and the serial killer's trying to decide if he's going to kill him or not. And it's a road movie and it's called, he went that way. Do you think it sounds like it should be this absurd comedy, right? But it's just this flat, nothing happening kind of thing. And I'm going to spoil this because I have to, because this is just such a fucking weird movie. There's an opening narration that introduces the, the character uh, played by Jericho, Jacob Lordy, who's the serial killer. And, there's an ending narration, and the big twist of the movie, Jeff, is that you find out that the narration is from the perspective of the chimpanzee. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> the final images of this movie about a serial killer on a road trip with a guy just trying to decide whether or not he's going to kill him or not is a monkey on a typewriter telling you that this is how he remembered the story as it happened. Oh my god! And and like again, that should be absurd. That should be like darkly funny, I guess. But nothing of this movie is darkly funny. Nothing about it is funny. Jacob Lordy's performance is really—he's a—he's an angry bully. That's the—that's the one note that he's playing. Angry bully. And Zachary Quinto is playing one note of just. <laughs> serial killer simp like <laughs> just, <sighs> mostly just because he's trying to get the guy not to kill him but like also like there's this une there's this whole unexplored gay vibe between the two of them that just goes completely uncommented upon i mean jacob alerty's doing all these little poses like a model and he's got his shirt off and nobody's saying anything about it <laughs> and it's so fucking weird that there's no one commenting about this at all in the movie uh, it's such a bad film. It's so shockingly bad. And it feels like one of those movies that, like, I, they were hoping that Saltburn... Look, Saltburn's a huge hit. Don't get me wrong. It's the number one movie on Amazon right now. It's got a lot of people freaking out. But it didn't do big box office. And I think they were thinking that Saltburn might be a big hit and that they could capitalize on Jacob Elordi by releasing this now. I think that's what this, this is like uh. in Norbit. <laughs> it's like Jacob Elordi's <laughs> Norbit. <laughs> God, I would actually want to see that. That'd be funny. <laughs> God, could you imagine if they remade Norbit with J.K. Delorey? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would what be if they hilarious. just made, remade all of Eddie Murphy's really terrible movies with J.K. Delorey? Why not? <laughs> <sighs> you know what? Okay. I, I think I may have sent this as a message, but I think one of the things that we need to do as a show mm. is pick a movie. Like, anybody who's listening to this right now, put it on our 
send us a, a message or put it on our Facebook page. Who do you, what movie do you want to see us recast? Like top three leads. <laughs> you tell us because like right now, my first one is Jacob Lordy is Norbit. <laughs> I want to see him in a big fat suit as a woman. And oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we should, I don't know if we could, I don't know if we should do him as an Asian man that might be pushing it. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is like, I don't, I don't care who has, you know, who I, I, I just want to see him. I want to see that. I want to see him playing both parts. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Newton. I, I want to see her like, <laughs> it's like, it's like recast the movie, but keep one star. And I would want to see <laughs> going like, Oh girl, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Oh wow, that'd be amazing! It'd be amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, terrible film. All right, uh, Weak Layers is a uh, movie that throws back to the eighties and nineties. It's a ski comedy. You remember when there were like ski comedies everywhere? Oh yeah, I uh, actually know somebody who was in one of them. Really? Yep. Sean Sullivan. Yeah. What was he in? Uh, I think it was a ski patrol. I think. <laughs> With Leslie Jordan, <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's like ski school, ski ski patrol, Aspen Extreme, Out Cold, Snowboard Academy. I could recall those off the top of my head. Like for some reason, this was a weird subgenre that people were just obsessed with. If they weren't making like uh, uh, movies set at summer camps, they were making movies set on mountains for some reason. He was yes, he was in Ski Patrol. Ski Patrol. <laughs> From 1990. <laughs> That's great. Uh, this movie it it uh, it has this, this that it throws back to that like it's playing that exact vibe, but it has three female leads uh, and a female director uh, who is is really really fun. She's a terrific director. She's having a great time doing this. Her name is uh, I'm pulling trying to pull this off the top of my head. Katie Burrell. Uh, she does an amazing job. She's the lead in the movie. She's just this fuck up who kind of wants to be a film director and then her, her and her friends party so hard they get kicked out of their house and they've got to go live in a van and they uh, find a way to get into this uh, contest where she can you know direct a, a short film and win a $10,000 prize so they can get a new house to, to party in and destroy and her friends can't stop drinking and partying the whole time. But it's three women instead of you know your typical you know three guys that you would always get in one of these oh, movies. Oh, so it's woke. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Star Wars fans are going to hate it. Yeah, <laughs> but they're they're really insanely funny, and they're having such a great time making this that it's is as silly as it is, as derivative as it is, it works. It's fun. I had a great time watching it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I recommend that one. Uh, I'm going to do I'll one more. Tell Sean more. that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Tell him he, you know, you were in Ski Patrol. You should go back and watch uh, Weak Layers. Weak Layers. <laughs> I'm gonna do one more, then we'll get to Night Swim uh, from okay. you. I want to talk about the Bricklayer. This is so bad. It's so much worse than he went that way. Uh, <laughs> this is directed by Renny Harlan and starring Aaron Eckhart and uh, Nina Dobrev. Uh, <laughs> This is every action movie ever made. Aaron Eckhart plays a man who 
has a tragic backstory. He was a member of the CIA when somebody went rogue and killed his family. So he gave up everything, Jeff, to become a bricklayer. And his personality is bricklayer. And he listens to jazz while he lays bricks. <laughs> and then and then he's got a call he gets called back to the CIA because the man who killed his family isn't really dead. And he's come back and he's killing people and framing the CIA for it. So this guy's got to come out of retirement. But who can they partner him with? Why, that inexperienced nerdy girl, computer girl, who has no experience in the field. Of course, they got to put her with him and send him into the field to go catch the bad guy. She can use her tech stuff. And then he's got friends all over the world who can get him guns and cars and money to do their thing. But that old buddy's going to get murdered along the way by the bad guy to motivate oh. them further. To go. Oh, no. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen, Jeff? What's going to happen uh, in this movie? Gosh. Oh, my. Uh, eventually, they're going to. It's in the same universe as the beekeeper, and they're going to join forces. <laughs> the beekeeper bricklayer. Yeah. The bee layer. Oh. Wow. The brickkeeper. <laughs> how did they ever fucking make this movie and not just. How is this not a shit post? How is this not like an Andy Kaufman level shit post? <laughs> Yeah, like what if they what if they're trolling us but nobody gets the joke? <laughs> I just don't think Reddy Harlan has that kind of talent. I just don't. Oh, directed by Reddy. Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> no, there has what, never but... been a director who is less in on the joke than Reddy Harlan. I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you how I know my thesis statement that I know this isn't a joke because the final scene is Aaron Eckhart going back to his original. He was like when we first met him, he's laying these bricks at this apartment building. And then he gets attacked by a couple guys who shoot down his bricks. So he goes back to fix it. And then as he finishes and Nina Dobrev is doing this like a uh, voiceover about how amazing she is and he is and what she's learned from him. And now she's leaving the CIA and whatnot. He lays the last brick and then he stands up and there's this conveniently placed American flag right behind him. <laughs> <sighs> I have not laughed that hard at a comedy in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> and Nina Dobrev is the nerdy one. Yeah. <laughs> Nina Dobrev. Yeah. Nerdy. She's the computer girl with no field experience. She's a girl in the CIA, Jeff. Like, girls <sighs> don't get to be in the CIA, they can't fire guns. Is is this a Denise Richards is a nuclear physicist kind of situation? No, this is just, this is just straight up fucking misogyny. <laughs> oh, for fuck's yeah. sake! It's so bad, but it's bad in a way that's very entertaining because it's so funny, and they they have absolutely no idea how funny it is. None. There's you, no self-awareness. There's no wink. There's nothing. Are you sure? Because Tim Blake Nelson is in it. Nothing. They didn't just like, okay. I'm telling you, there's not a single moment of self-awareness in this. Oy. So bad. But is it, uh, is it better? Is it better than, than Night Swim? Well, there is not much that's worse than Night Swim, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> This is a oh. this is a killer pool. The the pool 
Is this just death pool? <laughs> I, oh God, this is like Sharknado without a shark or a tornado. It's just, <laughs> I, I almost walked out of this three times. There were three points where I almost walked out of this movie. Um, okay, so just of the story is. Uh, Wyatt Russell, Nepo baby, mm-hmm. um, and the only way he gets work is because of who his parents are. I'm sorry. He's just. Mm-hmm. Carrie Con, on the other hand, is great. I don't know, like, what? who has what over her that she had to be in this movie? Um, <laughs> they are parents. He's a former uh, Major League Baseball third base who has ms and Mm -hmm. so he is in recovery and that the story opens they're looking at like an assisted living kind of place where he'll have around the clock care um but then they drive by this house and he's strangely attracted to it and then they they take a look at it and it has a pool that years before in the prologue a little pigtailed girl uh disappeared in the inn and you know it's haunted because there's a little toy plastic boat that's going around in circles, and then it's in the bottom of the pool, and then it pops up when she's in the pool, and then she the lights flicker and she's gone. <laughs> yep. Uh, <clears throat> so he sees this pool and it's covered and it's dirty and gross and disgusting. Um and falls in and all of a sudden has to have this house. He just has to have it. You know, why don't we own this house? We can set down roots and we can stay here in, in Minnesota. Um, I, I gotta say Minnesota and pools. I, <laughs> it's a weird choice. It's, it's weird like choice. three, three months out of the year. You can have this pool. Minnesota. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, they move into the house. They clean out the pool. They fill it back up. They find out from their pool guy that it is actually it's um the water is from a natural spring so it's re- you know the heat is regulated and the um you know it's filters itself and all this stuff and that's your first you know oh oh it's an underground spring that's apparently haunted that they're swimming <laughs> in let me guess uh, it's built over in indian burial ground no, it's just a, it's just a, it's that the, they used to worship the water mm. and, uh, you know, it would every once in a while take a sacrifice and then they developed the land over it. And this is the, apparently the only p- house that has a pool because well, Minneapolis, um, and apparently the only house that has a pool that is using this spring water, this natural spring water. And uh, <laughs> that has weird properties like Wyatt Russell, they're cleaning it out. He he's reaching down into it to pull out any of the stuff that's like in the drain. Mm-hmm. And because apparently they drained the pool, but somebody would have had to get into it. I don't ask me. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, he cuts <laughs> his hand open. Uh, he cuts his hand open and uh-huh. it's pretty nasty and gnarly. And I did kind of get the at that because I don't like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, then their cat, who is an indoor outdoor cat, uh, is near the pool. And then the next morning they find his collar in the pool. 
So apparently he went went for a night swim. The um, pool killed the cat. The pool killed the cat. And <laughs> when they're all looking for the cat, you know, they don't know that the pool killed the cat. I would the cat's first just thought that the pool would, gone. you know, kill your cat. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, yeah. First thought is, oh, he ran away. Why is his collar <laughs> in the pool ripped off? So Wyatt Russell takes this in and he uh he, you know, he's looks at his wound and his wound is gone. There was a sacrifice so that his wound could be better. And this goes on and on. And the daughter is almost killed. The son is almost killed. The son sees the, the ghost of this little girl um, who was killed in the prologue. And they figure out that, you know, this spring water has infected the pool and the, the there needs to be a sacrifice in order to um, balance the scales because he's gotten better. His MS is going away magically. Um, <laughs> you know, as it does when you're in a natural spring water. Yeah, of course. Um, and so he's trying to let the pool kill his son. He, he at one point, uh, he almost drowns. They have a big pool party and he almost drowns his, uh, his friend's son in the pool because, Ooh. you know, in the middle of everybody. It needs a right. sacrifice, though. Yeah. So, right. Uh, and Carrie Condon figures this all out by talking to the dead girl's mother, whose son was very sick, but she killed the daughter. She left the daughter in the pool so that her son would become successful. Uh, you know, I mean, the son's already sick. Maybe the daughter will become something. Why didn't she just let him die? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to. Like, everybody has like black water running out of their eyes at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they stab the pool. No, no, no. It requires a <laughs> sacrifice. Remember. All right. So Ray Waller, played by Wyatt Russell, who is just about to get his career as a major league third baseman back, because he's he's so much better. He almost lets the son die, but then the daughter hits him with a with a bat a couple times, and he realizes that the only way to like do this he drowns the boy and then the boy starts to come back to life and he's turning all black and shit and Wyatt Russell decides the only way to save his family is for him to sacrifice himself because the pool deserves a sacrifice (laughs) when I tell you this is the worst movie I've seen in years I tweeted at Jason Bloom that he owes me 10 bucks. I didn't even pay for this movie. Um, I, oh God, I just, this is, and all my friends are like, it was fine. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. No, it was bad. It was objectively bad. Wyatt Russell sucks all the chemistry out of every scene he's in. Uh, the son is fine. The daughter is like at the beginning of the movie. She seems like she's 12 and then, Suddenly she's 15, 16 and going to hook up with this friend in the pool. And that's the scene from all the trailers. Um, And when, when Carrie Condon's character goes to talk to Jody Long's character, who plays the mom of the little girl who died in the beginning, it's the, just, it's one of those, you know, like in smile, they did it really well where she's, she's going back and, this is a trope of every one of these kind of movies. She's figuring out what the haunting is. And so she's going back to back in time to talk to the people that were affected from it first. Right. Smile, smile did that wonderfully. I think, you know, like, and that was due to the fact that it was well-written and 
it was well acted and Jody Long, who I've seen in a bunch of stuff and Carrie Condon, who is great are just, they just, it's like, they don't want to be there. It's like they're reading it off a teleprompter, wishing that they could go back in time and kill their agents in the crib. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's just devoid of anything. And it's so bleh. Uh, yeah, it don't sound good. It don't sound good. Didn't look good when I on the trailers, and well, I guess I'm not too sad that I missed out on that. Yeah, you shouldn't be. You should be like when when Bob said he wasn't able to record tonight, and I was really afraid that you were going to say, "Hey, let's skip this week and we'll talk about something next week," because I didn't want to waste <laughs> the hour and 45 minutes that I, that I saw in this movie without being able to trash it for a few minutes. <laughs> um, now that now, okay. It is based on a, a short. Yeah. And the short is fine. It's like, Oh, haha, that's cool. You know, that's, that's, that's one of those things that where you stretch it out and it just loses all effectiveness, like lights out. Remember that movie? Sure. Um, great. Amazing short where the lady, she keeps, she turns on the light. And then she sees the figure down the hall. Or she turns off the light. She sees the figure on the, down the hall. She turns the light on. It's gone until it's right next to her. And mm-hmm. that is a very effective jump scare. And every time I watched it, I jumped. And then they made it into a movie. And it was like, oh. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like he's, this guy is talented. Bryce, uh, what's his face? Um, Bryce McGuire. Yeah. The original. He's talented. I mean, that was an effective short. I'm sure you have other ideas. Use those other ideas instead of, you know, doing, <laughs> stretching out a, a five minute movie into an hour and 38 minutes of direct. Ugh, gross. Just, I, I hate it. Hate it a lot. <sighs> All right. Uh, I'm going to mention one more movie before we get on to our classic. And I just want to mention one scene about this. Mayhem is not a good movie. Uh, it's just a it, guy gets in trouble, kills a accidentally kills a drug dealer's brother, goes on the run, finds a new life in Malaysia, uh, meets a wife and a, gets a kid and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, fight scene. This guy, our hero gets his arm broken to the point where the bone is coming out of his arm and uses the bone coming out of his arm <laughs> As a weapon, jams it into a guy's throat and kills him. I I tell you, I've never seen that in a movie before. I've never seen that movie before. I've never, and I—it's the only good thing about this movie. (laughs) It physically Uh. made me sick. I've never been like I had such a physical reaction to seeing this that I nearly vomited. But I have to say, it's the most original thing I've seen in an action movie in a while. Um, I don't want to see that, but I want to see it. <laughs> it's, it's sick, right? That's pretty sick, right? I mean, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and the fact that it's not just called Mayhem, it's called Mayhem! You know, it's like, <laughs> With an exclamation point? <laughs> three exclamation uh, points, I'm pretty sure. I, 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 didn't, I didn't look, but I think it's three. I'm looking at the poster, and <laughs> it, it's just one, but... It should right. be three. It should be? Okay. And that bone, <laughs> the bone gets, like, one by itself. 
But Nasir Baez, is that that's the lead actor? Mm-hmm. He looks pretty hot, so I might just see it just for that and the bone. He's a mixed martial arts fighter. Oh. So he's probably garbage. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I don't remember anything after he stabbed a guy with the broken bones. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, I kind of want to see that now, though. Oh, man, I forgot. I, I need to mention one more thing. Not about this movie, but just swinging back to the bricklayer. There's a great moment in that one, too, where Aaron Eckhart gets shot in the gut and takes duct tape and wraps it around himself. <laughs> And then the next scene just gets on an airplane, just hops on an airplane, doesn't go to a hospital, just hops on an airplane and goes to Greece. Does he go through security? Because aren't they going to be like, what do you have strapped here? Oh no, it's a, CIA, it's a CIA plane. So oh, okay. It's one of the secret planes. He doesn't have to okay. go through security because he's he's a secret agent. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I tried to forget. I tried to block that out. Shot in the stomach. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I guess he'll forget about the pain from the bullet when he tries to take the duct tape off his torso. <laughs> it's not smooth by any means. Oh, yeah. I'm just trying to add a little habit trail there. That's going to hurt like hell. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Our classic. <laughs> First of all, Jeff, just to, just to set the scene for you. I had to send this to the te- in a text message to Amy today because I know this stuff. This really it, it really bugs her. It's my way of picking on her as my little <laughs> sister. Uh, that the fact that Nightmare on Elm Street is forty years old this year. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> <sighs> well, I've already gone through this with mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth in nineteen eighty. So I've already been through this, but what's going to really start to hurt is when like misery turns 40. Ooh, that's still a ways away. I, I know, but I was in college. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but we're not talking about nightmare. I, I'm going to write a piece about 40 years of nightmare on Elm street getting, cause it's, it's still a few months away from its actual 40th anniversary, but uh, I did watch it again just to get ready for this one, even though I know they're not particularly related. I still wanted to watch the original because I love it and uh, still holds up. It's still incredible uh, The the original still has every aspect that that works. And it's still such an amazing piece of direction. Uh, it even you, all the stuff that you would think would age badly uh, about it, like the the, mm-hmm. the effects. Don't they the, the practical effects of Nightmare on Elm Street are just they're so good and there's so much dedication to making them work that it, it just it it just feels right. I mean, even the the extended arms as he's walking down the alley, you know, yep. the the knives on the wall, like it looks goofy as hell, but it fucking works. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, him cutting off his fingers and the soup coming out of his fingers, like yeah. that's fucking great. It it it's just it's dream it, imagery. It's phenomenal. So it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be like perfect. I I was watching this comparison on YouTube between that between the original and the remake with uh, Jackie Earl Haley, and they showed specifically the scene where Nancy is staying uh, at at her friend's house, and she's in the bedroom, and there's something come, and Freddy comes through the wall, and the mm-hmm. wall extends out, seamlessly edited, seamlessly put together. Like you cannot see. Uh, you know, the you can see the effect, but you can't see the, the transition from, from the wall. It's 
just fantastic piece of work. Then they do it in CGI in the remake, and it's like, yeah, that looks like shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's uh-huh. fucking dog crap. Um, when I was when this when part two came out, there was a book about the effects from Nightmare One and Nightmare Two, and then how it got made and all that. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had a copy of this book. It was so interesting to me, and that was part that that was one of the scenes that they talked about. And I mean, it was just it was just fabric, <laughs> yeah, Jersey fabric. <laughs> great i mean just a great idea and and like i said the editing on that is seamless from the moment when nancy wakes up and picks up the cross and she knocks on the wall and the wall's there like seamlessly transitioned fucking great tremendous piece of work he's a rolling room with johnny depp's death is tr- tremendous uh-huh. i mean it, it all works and i would say the same thing about nightmare too i think they've they remain dedicated to these effects that that uh, can only be re- recreated practically. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into, obviously, the themes and whatnot, but on a, on a level of of just the, the, the technicality of this, is just, it's so good. Wes Craven is such a fucking genius. I, I'm a Luddite in that I like practical effects. I like physical media, you know, and I sometimes practical, practical effects look bad you can see the seams in uh like in nightmare one when tina gets slashed and you see this the cuts just happening mm-hmm. amanda weiss's uh hands come up and they pull the corner of the the chest yeah and you can see it but you don't care because it's just like oh look at the cuts happening uh, you know in the original friday the 13th when annie gets her throat cut it's just it's a simple pass in the front and lifting her lifting her neck and then the blood starts. You know, it's just like those things don't look right CGI because CGI is still it's there's some uncanny valley about it. Mm-hmm. And Nightmare One and Nightmare Two and Nightmare Three for the most part, you know, like all of the nightmare movies relied almost exclusively on practical effects. And the scene in in Nightmare Two when Freddy pulls his hat off and then he rips his skin away to reveal his brain pulsing, yeah, it's amazing. You know, like oh my god, how do they do that? It is weird oh. though. Let's get into Nightmare Two because that is our classic mm-hmm. this week because it has a pool scene. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Bob's like, I'm going to make the classic and then I'm not going to do the show. <laughs> <laughs> But like the 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 shift in Freddy lore is one something I wanted to mention here because like you've got him coming through the dreams of kids who live on Elm Street who are the kids who he molested when he was alive and the parents you know then killed him so he comes back specifically to get those kids and uh, to punish their parents. The lore changes here, and I guess because it has to, because you know we've got a family that's now moved into Nancy's house, and they're they were not related at all to what happened to Freddie, so they've got to come up with a new way to get Freddie into that room and into that house with those people for you know I guess for reasons whatever this they <laughs> come up with money, honey, that's the but, reason. But, yeah, <laughs> so now we have Freddie wanting to be uh, Jesse. He yeah, needs it's to become Jesse in order to be able to kill the kids of Elm Street again. Well, it's it serves as both a slasher movie, a dream slasher movie, and a possession movie. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, 
uh, with super heavy gay overtones. Uh, not undertones. I did not say undertones. Just so you know. Overtones. <laughs> Movie is fucking gay as shit. Um, anyway, know that it it's like, okay, you know, they the, when they wrote it, Wes Craven was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I, I made the first one and I don't I don't need any more ideas. So they just they're like, well, we made all this money. We got to make more. So how do we do it? And this was apparently the best way they could come up with is that um, somehow Freddie possesses Jesse and can only come out when Jesse's quote unquote asleep. But then Freddie is like it's they kind of use the variation of it in part three where um uh what's her face Kristen can bring people into her dreams mm-hmm. but this is apparently jesse can bring freddie into the real world when he's asleep um and it doesn't really that aspect of it doesn't work i love this movie don't get me wrong i love mm-hmm. it's such a it's a um I, not even a guilty pleasure anymore because i don't th- i don't believe in guilty pleasures when it comes to anything it's just it, it makes you happy or it doesn't. It is um, camp though. I would call it. Oh, camp. it's high, high camp. Yeah. It um the you know, the fact that Freddie is taking over Jesse's body and he wants his body. He even says that, you know, like you've got the body, I've got the brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pet shop boys came out with you've got the body, I've got the looks, let's make lots of money. I don't know if that's works or not. They're gay too. <laughs> um <laughs> But you know he wants to use Jesse's body, and the the <laughs> queer overtones of that um, are there. But it's also the possession; like he wants to possess Jesse's body to do his stuff, and that comes out again. Like in uh, he's Freddy is a user, so he uses like Jason and Jason versus Freddy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all this manipulation, but he. The fact that he comes out of Jesse, you know, more than once, um, <laughs> I guess he had to come in Jesse at some point. Uh, hey, hello. Uh, that it, it, I don't know what Jack Shoulder was thinking. <laughs> was you know like when he was just like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's so it. it it well, just like basically throws what, what, it throws the ideas of the first one out the window just to make just to make a buck. It, well, yeah, I mean, because you, you can look at what what uh, what what Wes Craven was going for. Like, you know, you've got a clear through line of why you know the the psychic energy of Freddie would try to linger to for revenge. You know, for the make like it's it's a it's a stretch, but it makes a it makes some sense in some way in this universe that makes sense to extend it here it it does just feel like we've we couldn't come up with anything so this is what we came up with yeah we've got well, to make a sequel <laughs> less than a year later you know and <laughs> at that point at that point it was like what do we do how do we do it i guess we'll just it'll just be the house because nobody else would you know at that point i don't think heather langenkamp was interested in coming back um you know, nobody from the first one, except for Robert England, was interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to start off with, 
a whole new cast. Well, let's let's make it a guy. And I am I'm acquainted with and Facebook friends with Mark Patton, who played Jesse Walsh. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done some art of him. Um, we met at some conventions, that kind of stuff. I he has always maintained that uh, David Chaskin, who wrote it, you know, wrote it with a gay text, not just a subtext. And mm -hmm. it took years. I don't know if you've, have you seen the um, Scream Queen, the documentary about uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it's about uh, Mark Patton and how being gay in Hollywood. Might, maybe. I'm not everything. Correct. I didn't see the whole thing, no. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Anyway, um, in that movie, you know, he gets to confront uh, David Chaskin about this, you know, and he finally gets him to admit, yeah, you know, I did write it with some gay text. Uh, Marshall Bell, who plays Coach Schneider, is goes to S&M bars in Springwood. Um, and then <laughs> that, Jesse that, and... That, that that's certainly a town that has a lot of gay bars, I'm sure. Leather yeah, bars. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and on an unrelated note, but it is kind of funny. Uh, you know how they go off into the desert at the beginning of this movie? Yeah. Um, and you see all the palm trees in, along the route of the bus, and you see how in part one they're standing in the Venice canals with all the palm trees behind them. Yeah, this is supposed to be Ohio. <laughs> A friend of mine and I were talking about that at work the other night because we both love horror movies. And I'm like, Ohio. Springwood, Ohio. <laughs> That's how they retcon it in later sequels. But I'm still like, just make it California. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's, we, you know. Bizarre it's just, choice. It's, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I totally went off on that tangent. Um, but, you know, like the, the fact that Mark Patton is this closeted gay actor at the time who is playing a scream queen and screams like a girl at some points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, seems more attractive to Robert Russler's Grady character than he does Lisa. The female has lead. more chemistry with Grady than he does. With Lisa. Completely. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> like, but, but again, but to, to, in fairness, though, in fairness, though, isn't that the kind of relationship that you recognize from high school that a lot of gay men had that that t attempt to, to try and and be like everybody else before they realize who they really are? I yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. I did never try. I never tried Not to the, have sex it's your story, but I'm saying there's a lot of yeah. You, you were you were gay oh. two years old, so I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> you were gay from birth. Not everybody Pretty was much. gay from birth. Not everybody was willing to admit they were gay from birth. Not willing to admit it. Yes, um, I do see gay people are born that way. But I'm saying that yeah. not all of them can come to terms with that as you did out of the womb. <laughs> so <laughs> I see. Guys in my area, and I, I'm back in the area I grew up grew up in. Um, after living in LA and Chicago and California uh, and uh, New York and whatever, um, I see a lot of those guys on Grinder now, mm -hmm. um, or out at gay bars who just completely they've had their lives with uh, women, marriages, children, and now they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I was always gay. I know you were always gay. <laughs> um, 
But I, re- well, I remember know. a kid. I remember my sister had a had a boyfriend, and she would refer to him as her boyfriend. But it was very obvious to everyone else what was going on. <laughs> but I guess he was still like trying to play the role that was, you know, his role at the time. And I think this movie is actually kind of true to that. In retrospect, yes. Um, I don't think that it was played that way by anybody that was, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, Grady does have the, uh, the the line, which is very telling. And I think this should have opened my eyes a lot earlier. He's like, yeah, uh, there's, somebody, there's somebody who, you know, he want, they want me. Wanna, yeah, her name is Lisa. And, she, and you're, she, you left her in the cabana and you want to sleep with me. Mm. Yes. Who wouldn't <laughs> want to sleep with Robert Rustler in the 80s? <laughs> Anyway, um, even now he's still kind of hot, but it's, yes, I see what you're talking about. And he, Jesse is trying to suppress a lot, meaning Mm -hmm. Freddie, but that's Freddie is the subtext in this movie. Mm. You know, (laughs) it's written as a subtext. He's trying to suppress (laughs) Freddie. But being being gay is basically like hiding, being a serial killer. Well, (laughs) Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, there are times. Let me. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, co- uh, considering you know the, the the body count of most gay men. <laughs> oh, I feel very attacked right now. I might not be much to look at, but I've slept my way through a lot of major cities. Um, no, slay. I <laughs> slay, girl, slay. Um, the. The subtext is so rich here. Uh. <laughs> well, the subtext is fighting the tech. You know, it's like you know, it's like the subtext is supposed to be that he might be a closeted gay kid. Mm-hmm. The text is supposed to be Freddie, you know, trying to get out into the real world through him. Mm-hmm. But really, it kind of flips the other way around. There's that scene where he he goes to Grady's bedroom and Grady says, "You want to sleep with me?" He's like, "Just." stay awake and watch me so that I don't kill. Mm-hmm. Well, then he falls asleep and Freddie literally comes out of him, like presses out of his chest and his hands and literally in a, comes in, out. In a, in, tremendously, in a tremendously creepy natural effect, practical yes, effect. Yes. Yes. It's a yeah. big, it's like, it's a rubber, obviously it's like this rubber suit thing, but it, it, I thought, I think today still, I think, I think that looks cool. Yep. I think it does. The, and the scene of Freddie being like, you look, they, they point the camera into Mark Patton's mouth and you see Freddie's eye. <laughs> Fucking yep. awesome. That's yep. awesome. I, I want to say that if you scored that scene with I'm coming out by Diana Ross. <laughs> it would Which be someone on YouTube needs to do right now. If I had the skills or the know-how, I would absolutely do that right now. <laughs> I'm coming out. Uh, the, the scene. Nightmare of the gay cut. <laughs> right. The gayer cut. Um, there is the scene where there, where he comes out of Jesse and then magically can jump out of a hole in the ground at the pool party after he makes mm-hmm. the the whole reason we picked this movie was because of the pool scene. <laughs> pool scene. Uh, Thanks, he Bob. makes the water boil and the hot dogs explode and then he jumps out of a hole in the ground mm-hmm. and 
again, powers Freddy's never had before. Exactly. Am I wrong? No, no. I mean, well, no, he didn't melt steps in the first one. Let's give him credit. He melted steps. And this one. is only the second movie in a in a series that has gone on a long time. So there weren't, you know, but they were pretty. His powers were pretty delineated in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he does stuff like jump out of a hole in the ground or dematerialize or walk into hedges and set them on fire. Uh, it's it's kind of like, okay, we get it. You know, it's all a dream. It's all, it's all right. It's just because it's a dream. But it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> he, he's doing this. For, he's like, he jumps out of the hole in the ground and he starts slashing everybody. And then the guy from China Beach is like, it's okay. Calm down. Everything's fine. <laughs> We just want to help you. And then Freddie's like, help yourself fucker and slashes him, you know, and like, then he, but you know, but you know, the paper the next day, they wrote that off as a mass hallucination. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm saying, I mean, again, not to give the movie too much credit. I don't think they intended it that way, but it plays out. <laughs> I think and they, they want to have their cake and eat it too, because yeah. I think they think if we just say it's all a dream, none of it happened and everybody's fine. And you know, it, yeah. And that's all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It's all a dream. Everything's a dream. Um, except it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so. But is this a good movie? Objectively, no. Hmm. Um, but it's a fun movie. It's dumb fun, and but it has I a think- lot of um has a lot of touchstones for me and not just because it's like a gay movie. I think if Wes Craven had directed this, I think it would it would have a lot more skill to it. I think it's oh, kind yeah. of basic in terms of the direction. Uh because I don't think Jack Shoulder's a very good director. I think he's a I think he's a solid, you know, like a, a journeyman carpenter kind of guy. Like yeah. he can put pieces together in a way and he ha- any good team uh, who could do the practical effects stuff really w- pretty well. Uh, I think that element works, but if if you would put Wes Craven with Mark Patton and with the with that cast, I think that could work. I think he would see what I'm seeing in terms of the in terms of the uh, broader elements that you could use to make this make a little bit of sense. I I think you're right. I think also that if Wes Craven had made this movie, he would he would have kept strictly to the to the dream logic. Of it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there not, wouldn't you know, have been. Why not make it a haunted house? Like M- Freddy's just haunting that house. Like that's the, like the 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 you know the the lore should be that Freddy haunts that house and then is able to find his way into a person who is you know psychically in a place where they would welcome you know, almost not welcome but like vulnerable to him. That makes you know at least gives you a, a through line of logic that makes a lot more sense than suddenly Freddy possesses a body now. Yeah. If they had written in just a couple lines to say that, you know, Freddie is able to do this because of the fact that, um, you know, the the energy left over from when he killed Nancy's mom in the first one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gives him some some way to do. It. Yeah. Okay. I buy it. Yeah. It's not that hard. I mean, we had to buy, you had to buy in a lot of things in the first movie. So, I mean, you're not going to, 
is not pushing too far to, but I don't think they did enough in that initial idea. Cause they, I mean, they jump right to like, it is so early on when they get to that, you got the body, I've got the brain scene It's so early in the movie that you're just kind of what, where'd that fucking come from? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't, I mean, I love it, but it doesn't make any, you know, the whole movie doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, <laughs> I, 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 kind of, I kind of adore this movie just for all the all the elements that do work. I think I think it's working against a director who doesn't n- necessarily know what movie he's making. Yeah, I think um, you know David Chaskin, who wrote it, wrote something completely different than what um, Dave or uh, Shoulder was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did the movie Alone in the Dark a few years before this. Um, and that was kind of an effective movie. Uh, it's passed off as more of a horror movie. I think it's more of a home invasion movie, but it's, this is not the kind of movie that he should be doing in my opinion. <laughs> um, well, he was, I mean, he was subbed in. I mean, basically yeah. you know, West said no. And they're like, we've got a, we've got a green light to go less than, you know, a year after this one after the first one became a massive hit, they're like, we got a green light. Now we got to go. Who can we get Jack shoulders available? Get him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think like you said, Wes Craven could do something with this cast because Mark Patton is a really good actor. Um, he really committed to everything. Kim Myers is really good. She's very sympathetic as mm-hmm. Lisa. Um, you know, you got clue Gallagher or Gulliger as <laughs> Jesse's dad. Who's just ridiculous. You know, and Hope Lang is his mom, and they both. What was the bird scene? Why was the bird scene a thing? What was that? I don't know. Suddenly, a bird just explodes in their house. I have no idea. Uh, I remember seeing Christy Clark in this, and I was a big Days of Our Lives fan at the time, and she was on there, and I was like, "Oh, oh my God! It's it's uh, uh, um, oh my God, Carrie Brady! Thank you." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Carrie Brady's in this movie. Awesome. And then she was like, Shh, the birds are sleeping. And I'm like, Oh, this is weird. And then the bird explodes. I, <laughs> I saw this in the theater for my birthday. My dad, uh, let me take a couple of my friends to see it. And I watched it once. And then I read that book and they were talking all about the bird scene. And I was like, I don't really, the bird scene was just dumb. Why are they putting so much, like a whole chapter on this bird scene. Oh, and really? oh yeah. And then like the if you look at the close up pictures of it, it has a Freddy face. It does? Just, oh yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Oh no, no, the, it this I have in the 39 years that this movie has existed, I've never noticed that. Oh, you got look it up, like look up the the <laughs> the bird, Freddy face bird. It is phenomenally stupid. Wow. Um I didn't even uh, notice it this time watching it. So, I mean, well, it's, I mean, because crazy. they don't, they don't, uh, they I mean, don't it make it no it sense bad. whatsoever. <laughs> Cause like the parents and his sister can see it. It's not a dream. Well, exactly. And that's, th- that's the thing that doesn't, that breaks all the rules and yeah. new ones. But then this movie is like a lot of sequels, first sequels in that they just ignore everything from this after, because it was, it didn't do yeah. anything, you know, yeah. <laughs> like part three should have been part two. 
you just imagine like they made up that bird scene. Like I don't even think that could have been in the original screenplay. Like they're just like coming up with shit. Like just getting high and going, "What if a bird exploded <laughs> with Freddie's face, man?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, the fact that it's it's a, just a parakeet and it's flying around and dive bombing them, and then all of a sudden, in just like like not even a full second it it's this giant bird that explodes catches on fire and then explodes <laughs> i think they knew how bad it looked yeah they didn't so, want to go in the close up and realize how bad it looked <laughs> well i mean it did if i if i can find a picture of it i'll post it on their facebook page mm-hmm. it looks it like I get the idea that you know they wanted to have give it Freddy face or whatever, and that looked cool, but you don't ever see it in the movie. But if that happened in Jesse's dream, right? Then maybe it, then then you know then okay, and it like cuts his dad's throat. Like then you've got a scene. Yeah. Then you've got a scene, but like as it is, it's just this really stupid nonsense scene that doesn't make any sense and has no place in the movie. Exactly. So I just All found right. a picture of it. I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to post that to uh, the Facebook I, page here. In a minute. I will say this. I like this movie more than I like the other Nightmare sequels, aside from New Nightmare. New Nightmare is kind of its own thing as well, because I think it, they, they just kind of reinvent the whole thing with that. But like, I actually like this movie more than, than Dream Warriors or, or you know, all the other ones, honestly. You know, I like it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, it's, if I want to watch Freddy movies, I would probably watch one, three, four, and then stop. But mm-hmm. if I want to watch, you know, I, I will watch this one randomly by itself because it's a standalone story. It doesn't mm-hmm. add anything to the Freddy lore. It doesn't take anything away from it, really, if you watch it by itself in isolation. Um, it's it's kind of its own its own thing. Like, if they had just done an anthology movie yeah, a series with Freddy, like they were going to do with Halloween 3, if they had just done that, this would have been fine. It's, it's just more entertaining than some oh. of the other Freddy movies. Oh, no, it's completely under- entertaining. Yeah, but it's not. Dream Warriors has has some cheese to it that I enjoy. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. But I, I, yeah, this one is like this one. I think is my favorite, other than obviously the original and New Nightmare. You know, after we do the uh, Friday the Thirteenth series commentary tracks, I think we should start in on Nightmare on Elm Street because, girl, I have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wrapping things up. We'll just do a quick uh, round of flick chart. You cool? Yeah. Uh, a simple favor or flags of our father. A simple favor. Yeah, I'll go with that. Although I, I like do think I, I I like I like flags of our father. It's uh, in terms of what it is as a dad movie, it, it's pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good. It just I I will watch a simple favor over and over. Leap of faith with Steve Martin or X two. Oh, X two. Yeah, leap of faith. It's like it should be, 
it should be something other than it is. It's it's Steve Martin being a little too serious and not funny, and it's also like not trying to be damning of people who are literally stealing people's money. Yeah, I just didn't understand what they were going for with that one. Uh, let's see here. What's next? We've got uh, The Hard Way with Michael J. Fox or Eye in the Sky with Helen Mirren. I don't think I saw that one. It's Eye in the Sky because Hard Way also has James fucking Woods in it. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Days of Heaven or Mean Creek? Um, uh, What's Mean Creek? I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen it. It's a. It's a. It's not bad, um, but Days of Heaven is Terrence Malick, so I mean, that's got to win. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean I would. Yeah. There's also a 4K Blu-ray coming out on that, and I'm fucking just so excited about that. Oh show. really? Oh yeah, I cannot wait to get that. Hmm. Uh, Shooter or Mr. Bean? Shooter is Mark Wahlberg, right? Yes. Mr. Bean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry, but yeah. <laughs> oh man, let's see here. Uh, I did. Have you ever? No, I didn't. I don't think either of us saw that one. Let's move on here. Um, I don't think anybody saw the twenty twenty three Peter Pan and Wendy. I didn't. <laughs> Most people, the Saint with Val Kilmer or the Northman. Oh, the Northman. Northman all the way. That movie. Yeah, awesome. I love that movie. The Killing of a Sacred Deer or Red Heat? Uh, so, bad on me. We talked about Killing of a Sacred Deer last week, but I still have not mm-hmm. watched it. Oh, you got to um, see it. So, I really want to see that. So, pick a different one because we'll do it later. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. That is honestly still my favorite Yorgos Lanthimos movie, honestly. Gerald's Game or Blues Brothers 2000? Gerald's Game, 100%. (laughs) Such a good movie. Uh, Only because Blues Brothers 2000 is a piece of shit. Well, such a good book, too. I mean, that's one of my favorite, scariest King books. Yeah. Uh, I've read the book. Uh, Eastern Promises or Risky Business? Eastern Promises. Yeah, it's Eastern Promises. Although I think Risky Business is pretty good. Well, yeah, but it's got Tom Cruise in it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, National Lampoon's Vacation or Tomorrow Never Dies. Fuck me. Uh, Good vacation. fucking God. What a nightmare for me. <laughs> vacation because it has Imogene Coca in it. I'll, I'll just go with that. I hate both those fucking movies. I hate, I hate the vacation movies just because of how much I hate va- Christmas Vacation. See, you hate it. I don't. I don't, like. I did not watch. There's a few Christmas movies that I watch every year that I didn't watch this year, and I don't know yeah. if it's because I was back in retail and I was just over everything, or depressed, or just needed a break from them. I did not watch that. Hmm. I did not watch a Christmas story. Um, I did watch Christmas of the Cranks twice because even though it has Tim Allen on it in it, who I hate. <laughs> It's also got Jamie Lee Curtis, and it's it's a stupid, charming little movie. And Ugh, I hated it. Hated I know you did. It. You hate everything, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Maybe maybe Terrence Malick should direct the next Christmas <laughs> vacation. Movie. <laughs> oh, Galaxy Quest or Greece? Oh God. Um, not a Trekkie. But I could still appreciate Galaxy Quest. 
But Greece and Stockard Channing hold such a special place in my heart from my childhood that I'm going to go with Greece. I'm picking Galaxy Quest, even though it has Tim Allen and he kind of drags the movie down for me. Still, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, uh, and Tony Shalhoub, they're so good in it that I just, yeah, that one, that one works for me. So, coin flip. Galaxy Quest wins. Okay. All right. Here we go. What do we got? We got Thunderball and Lost in Translation. That one's pretty easy. Thunderball, obviously. <laughs> Lost in <laughs> Translation wins. Uh, let's see. No, that's those aren't movies. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> Sky High or Kiss of Death? Which one is Kiss of Death? Nicholas Cage. And uh, David Caruso. Oh, oh, uh, Sky High, because it has Linda Carter. <laughs> yeah, Sky High all the way. Don't Look Up or Slumber Party Massacre? Uh, which Slumber Party Massacre? One. So, 80s one or the remake? 1982. Oh, that one. Yeah, that was... That, oh, for Don't Look Up? Don't Look Up is a fucking great movie. Here's the thing, though. It... Slumber Party Massacre is a bad movie written by an amazing writer, but a bad movie, like the best kind of bad movie. Wow. Um, it's a special place for me. Sorry. I like Don't Look Up a lot. <laughs> it was in my top 10 last year, but Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. Slumber what Party Massacre wins. Ugh. Oh, you did a, did okay. you do a, I did the <laughs> I did the coin flip, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> this is this is brutal for both of us. Halloween kills or exit wounds starring Steven Seagal. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. Evil <laughs> dies tonight. Um well, let's see. What What's a good thing I can say about Halloween Kills? Um, <laughs> it doesn't have Steven Seagal. It wins. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's a, so I was thinking about this the other day. We were talking about horror movies with a friend of mine. And Halloween Kills is an objectively bad movie with bad motivations from all the characters. Um, however, it could have been redeemed by a really good uh, Halloween Ends. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. No. No, it was not. Coraline or Man on Fire? Oh. I like both those movies. Um, really? Yeah, I, well, I I liked, I guess, Man on Fire, what I liked about it was the chemistry between Dakota Fanning and Denzel Washington. Um, so I did not I can't mind say it. the direction. It's so over-directed. It's such a desperately yeah, yeah. over-directed movie. You're right. Um, yeah, let's... Coraline? Yeah. Go with Coraline, yeah. Good. <laughs> Fuck Man on Fire! <laughs> Ace Ventura Pet Detective? <laughs> nope, absolutely fucking not. not nope, absolutely 100% not. It's up against an American Carol, the Michael Moore parody movie <laughs> made by the right. Absolutely fucking not to both of them. <laughs> that is a fishing with Gandhi moment. 
Oh, that's a that's a taking a shit with Gandhi moment. <laughs> Message in a bottle with Kevin Costner or daylight with Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Would you like a sleeping pill or would you like uh, to be punched in the face? Can I have both <laughs> at the same time? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Kevin Costner. Let's go Who's with the, the nap. Least... Well, well, at least we can fall yeah. asleep during that one. It'll still be on when we wake up, no matter how long we're asleep. It'll still be on. You know, it's like it's like the remains of the day. It's just... Mm. <laughs> It just remains and remains. And that movie is still playing in Amy's room. Uh, I'm telling huh. you, it doesn't end. It's just Anthony Hopkins stirring tea for for endless hours, uh, and not spilling it either. <laughs> well, of course not. He's wearing white gloves while he does it. <laughs> A Nightmare on Elm Street two because the out because the computer is listening to us. Um, hi, 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 Microsoft or whatever, whoever's listening to this. Um, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or Clifford starring Martin Short? Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Agreed. Yeah, that's a better movie. Velvet Buzzsaw or Yours, Mine, and Ours starring Dennis Quaid? Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, because Yours, Mine, and Ours is fucking miserable. Yes, it is. Fucking miserable. All right, the documentary Best Worst Movie about Troll 2 or the Sabrina remake with Harrison Ford. Best Worst Movie. I love that movie. That was yeah, so that's much fun. Better. That's so good. That's so good. A Serious Man or Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh, Serious Man. I'm not a big fan of Ferris Bueller. I like Ferris Bueller. I like the Ferris Bueller's dad was in Nightmare on Elm Street too. Yeah. Very briefly. Very briefly. Ron, open this door! <laughs> All right, here's one. We're going to finish on this one because we got to get going. But uh, uh, this one is specifically for you. As the, as the horror expert on this show, you've got to decide which you prefer. Children of the Corn, 1984, or Candyman, 1992? Candyman, 1992, hands down. No question. No question whatsoever. Now, of course, if it, if it was Children of the Corn 2, that one blows them all out of the fucking water. Uh, that movie's yeah, incredible. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Sean. Sure. Yeah. That is the that movie is bricklayer level funny, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good one. I'm gonna go check out the uh the Facebook page. I just uploaded Freddie Parakeet to it. <laughs> Excellent, thank you. <laughs> Bye.